Let's say my last speaker this morning. Our dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you love each and every one of us so much that you're willing to tell us the truth about us. That you're willing to have those hard conversations. Allow us to feel distant enough. And you even run the risk of some of us running away from you because you lovingly want us to know the truth about ourselves. Because once we come to terms with that, we come to terms with you. And Father God, wherever we're at, each one here, wherever we're at, Lord, make it count this morning. Speak into our hearts. If we're struggling with guilt, feeling far from you, oh Lord, let the let a flood of, of uh, peace and, and, and love fill us so that we, we recognize where we stand with you. If we're super spiritual or we're, we're getting proud about our spiritual life or we're proud about anything about our lives, Lord God, humble us and melt us in your presence we might find peace with you. Bless this word and don't let anybody leave here without something solid to work on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week we looked at four negatives or four risks we fall into, four traps we fall into when we forget the goodness of God. If you haven't gone that, when you meet in a small group, just watch that video together. We looked at that and you can catch that online. Today we're talking about worry. Why worry is an absolute waste of energy. Why worry is an absolute waste of energy. Every single one of us worries. In fact, our face is the product of a lot of our worry. You know, the amounts of lines and hashtags on our face. Results of some of our worry. So I want to answer the question why we don't need to worry, why we don't have the second question, how Jesus wants to meet us, how do we get Jesus to do that on a fairly regular basis. Let's begin with getting into the framework, getting into the mood of it. Let me give you three facts about the goodness of God, the goodness of God. For those of you who don't know the Bible or you're not familiar with it, no problem, it's going to be on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, try and open up as fast as you can. Um, Dina asked for Ezekiel and I couldn't find it. So. <laughs> By the time I found it, you already finished. So, <laughs> so I know it's some of them are struggling. You know, some, some of the books are after maps. <laughs> All right. Three facts about God's goodness. Number one, God is the source of everything I need to live. God is the source of everything I need to live. Who's your source? Who's your source? Easy to say God is my source. But who's your source? Oftentimes, when God doesn't come through quick enough, when God doesn't part the mountains, part the seas, when God doesn't move the mountains quick enough, we look to other places, other people, other situations, and we find coping mechanisms, and we feel we're doing okay, but it's not going to last very long. Are you with me? Are you with me? God needs to be the source. He is the source of everything I need to live. Why? Because He breathed life into me. So when He breathes life into you, He then also becomes the source of everything you need to live life out. If life gives you relationships, He's got the answers to that. If life gives you ambition and desires and, and dreams, He's got the answers to that. If life gives you hurt and pain and brokenness, He's got the answers to that. No matter what, the question is, who is your source? Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. What's a shepherd? A shepherd is one who takes care of sheep. For a sheep, they're the stupidest animals on the face of the earth. And I think God has very clearly given us this metaphor more than anything else. I mean, we have people who look after goats, we have people who look 
thousands of people who, who rear, you know, fancy dogs, all sorts of things. We have all sorts of different, but he's taking the shepherd sheep motif. Are you with me? He's taking that because they're do so dumb. Because they are absolutely helpless and they are completely and totally dependent on the shepherd to give you an idea that he is everything they need. To get it. He's not saying you're dumb. But he's saying like sheep are completely dependent on a shepherd and a shepherd is completely dependable. So, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be found wanting. They're defenseless animals. They're not very smart animals. They can't sense danger. They can't sense uh, wrong decisions going haywire in the future. What do shepherds do? They do three things. They feed, they lead, and they meet needs. They feed, they lead, and they meet needs. What do sheep need? They need protection. They need comfort. They need ease of pain. They need discipline. They need direction. A shepherd provides all that because a shepherd leads feeds and meets needs. Even a parent is a shepherd. Why? Because a parent? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number one, God is a source of everything I need. Number two, there is nothing I need that God cannot supply. There is nothing that I need that God cannot supply. Philippians 4, 19, God will supply some of my needs according to his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. Amen? No. What's the right answer? All. all. God will supply all your need. Now either he's lying through his teeth and thought he'd get away by writing this 2000 years ago or he's telling the truth. Number three, God doesn't want me worrying about anything. God doesn't want me worrying about anything. Where did I get that from? Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. You have to decode this. It says, don't worry about anything. You get that? I mean, if you read carefully between the lines, it means, let's give everybody a chance to sit down. Everybody's okay? It means, somebody tell me the meaning of this. It means, don't worry. Yeah, but that's it. He said, pray about everything. God doesn't want you to worry about it. You say, what is, the, what is the will of God for my life? He wants you not to worry. He says, God doesn't want you to worry. He said, don't worry. So when you say, what is the will of God for my life? He says, don't worry. It's harder, it's harder to do than anything ambitious. So why does God tell me not to worry? Why does God say something like that? Is he not practical? Does he not know my life? Does he know what, does he know what, not know what Delhi is like? Does he know how much money is in my pocket? Why does God tell me not to worry? Let's look at another passage of scripture. We've got our anchor in Psalm 23 verse 1, but we are jumping over to Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 to 34. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. It's one of the sermons that Jesus taught and he said this in verse 25 of chapter 6. He said, do not worry about your life, what you eat and drink. Do not worry about your body or what you wear. Your life is more important than clothes. Number one, 
Worry is unreasonable. Write it down. Worry is unreasonable. Let me explain why. You got that? Worry is unreasonable. Do not worry about your life. Why? What you eat, what you will drink, whatever. Because life is far more than these. Number one, worry. We worry about the wrong things to start with. Worry is unreasonable because we worry about the wrong things to start with. We, they're trivial issues. They're not big issues. If anything you're worried about is not going to be the same five years from now or five days from now, there's no point worrying about it. You got that? So we worry about external stuff when we should be worrying about internal stuff. Eternal stuff. We worry about external stuff when we should be worrying about eternal stuff. Worry, we worry about the wrong things. Number two, we worry about something you can't change. We can't change at all. And that's useless. We're talking about why it's unreasonable. It's useless. We worry about stuff that I cannot change. And when I worry about something that I cannot change, that's just stupid. And don't miss this, the third one. It's unreasonable because every time I worry about something, that something gets bigger. I repeat. Every time I worry about something, that something gets bigger. If you stare at something long enough, it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You get lost in it. You get lost in it. Every time you review a worry, every time you, 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 you mull on it, and you think on it and ponder, what if this work? And it gets bigger and bigger, more unmanageable, more unreachable, more unattainable. Number one, worry is unreasonable. Number two, worry is unnatural. <coughs> worry is un unnatural. God has an order of nature. He has created everything according to its kind. And God says, that it is unnatural for us to worry. Write that down. Worry is unnatural. Then look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, please. Just look at the air. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They're a farmer's union. They don't reap. They don't store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly father feeds them are you not underlying much more valuable than these? Did you get that? Okay, let's move to the next verse. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 28 and 29. Skip 27. Verse 28 and 29. Why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the field lilies. They don't worry about theirs. Yet King Solomon in all of his glory could not match the lilies of the field. Could not match the lilies of the field. What is he saying over here? He's saying animals don't worry. The only living thing that worries is us. So it becomes a character issue more than anything else. It is not in nature to worry. Sparrows are not worried, lilies are definitely not worried. Animals don't worry. You don't see them stressing and fretting except when you say shh. That's the only time. Animals don't worry, plants don't worry. Worry is not natural. You went 
worry. You learned it. You learned it. As you were born, you heard mom screaming, dad shouting, this one running, halter skulter, come on, come on, please. And then you learn, so this is what everybody does. Come on, mommy, let's, let's get it. And you learn worry. You learn worry. I'm not, I'm not kidding here. You have to be, you have to be good. If you have to be good at something, you have to practice it, correct? Correct? And many of you worry a lot. You're good. <laughs> you're good at it. You've done it so well so many times that now you're good at it. Here's the thing. If it was learned, it can be. It's always good news. But this is the part I don't want you to miss. Go back to verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. The birds of the air, your heavenly Father feeds them. Not their Father. They are not God's children. You are. And if your Father can take care of them in such perfection and such satisfaction, children are always better cared for. Children are always better cared for. Your father. Your father. God cares for you as a father. Children always get better treatment. Special treatment. Loving treatment. They always are a cut above everybody else. Why? Because you are children. I can be really upset with my son for whatever reason or for three days, four days, five days. I can be un unsatisfied with something in his life or his behavior or whatever. And no matter what has been, even if I am stinking mad, which I'm never, I'm never stinking. Even I am, if I am. In that moment, if he comes to me, right in the middle, when the things are not resolved, he comes to me and says, Dad, I need 20 rupees for lunch. I will not flinch. I will not flinch. Why? Because if he went to his friend or if he went to his principal and said, Give me 20 rupees, I'd be insulted. I'm your father. I'm your father. In fact, I've told him several times, why do you, why do you have to do it? Why are you trying to solve it on your own? I'm here. And if I, a human, broken, you know, still on the job father, could feel like that, how about God? How about God? What he is? Unreasonable? What he is? Unnatural. Go for number three. What he is unhelpful? It is absolutely no use at all. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. Worry is useless. Worry is unhelpful. Verse 27. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? You can't get taller by worrying. You can't get shorter by worrying. You get thinner by worrying. Trust me, I tried. <laughs> In fact, it's the opposite. You can't get a longer life by worrying. You can get shorter. You can't shorten your life by worrying. You can't move one inch forward by one. It's like a rocking chair. You're there thinking, 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 but you don't get, don't get anywhere. The only thing that worry changes is you. You become more miserable. You become more broken. You become more stressed out. You become, uh, you're stewing without doing. It just, it just gets through you. Worry can't change the past. Worry can't control the future. It's absolutely, it ruins your present. When you worry, when you worry, it saps your strength and it ruins your present. It's ridiculous because you can't change the past which you're worried about. You can't change the future which you're worried about. The only thing it ruins is your present. Proverbs 7, 12, verse 25. Worry weighs us down. Worry weighs us down. 
Our bodies were not designed to, to carry worry. We were not designed to do that. We were naturally designed to trust, to, to surrender, to worship. It causes health problems. That's why you use the term, I'm worried sick. Isn't it? Those two words go together. I'm worried. See, you don't say I'm worried fit. <laughs> Worry wears you down. You can go to work for 12 hours. You can go to work as a laborer. You can go to work on a computer. You can go to work in any either physical or mental or whatever hard work. You can work hard for 12 hours. Come home and say, oh, it was a good day. I'm so tired. You can go to bed and you can have a great sleep. And even 12 hours of work will not wear you down like one hour of It just has physiological effects on you and rips you to shreds. It just tears you apart. Worry causes more fatigue than work. Proverbs 14 verse 30, a heart of peace gives life to the body. A heart of peace gives life to the body. Number three, worry is unhelpful. It does not help. There's no situation where you think, let's worry, it'll help Number four, worry is unnecessary. Worry is unnecessary. There's no need to worry. Not only is it useless, there's no need. Why? Because God has promised to take care of your need. There is a promise in place. God has taken care of this. How many of you were worried this morning that there will be a sermon? Huh? How many of you were doesn't do it, you show on video. Then we can get up and walk out also because nobody will see. Don't worry. <laughs> worry is unnecessary. Worry is unnecessary. Why? Because God has promised. God cares. God has control. When I was younger, I didn't know we were poor. <coughs> nobody told me. But now when I think back, when dad said no so many times now I'm like a child. <laughs> we didn't have any money. But I didn't know I was poor. I still used to go and ask dad for everything. I didn't care. That's your problem. You have to you're my father. You have to come up with it. I would still ask. My trust in him was he's my father. I would ask him. Who else will I go to? As a child of God, and he has promised he will take care of your needs. You don't need to worry about that. Look at verse 27. If God cares so wonderfully, even for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't He more surely care for you? Circle that. Won't He? Will He not? If God cares so wonderfully for the things He barely has value for, for the things He has value for, will He not do that? So God assumes the responsibility for your needs. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. That your needs are his needs. You've got to believe that. If you don't believe that, or if you don't trust him, it's, a, it's an issue of misunderstanding and trust. It's an issue of doubting God's love for you. Because he loves you and he's promised to meet your need. He says, I'm responsible for your life. And I gave you life, therefore everything that life throws at you, I will take care of. When he said that and promised that, then... How can you trust God to get you into heaven, but not into college? You trust God for salvation. You trust God for eternity, but you can't trust God for the temporary. 
You're not worrying about everything all the time. No, no, no. You're not worrying about everything. There are just certain things that you're worried about. Isn't that right? The certain things that you don't think God can handle. Let me put it another way. That sounds too negative. The certain things that you don't think God also cares about. Is it your care? Do you care about it? Or that God cares about it? He's your father. Because there's some stupid things that my son wanted, I still gave him anyway. Like being clear. Are you with me? It may not be my value. It may not be a value to me. But if he values it, I will give it to him. I'm not about greed, I'm talking about need. Does God know that the BSE bill has gone up high this month? Does God know that the fees is, is pending? Does God know of it? Yes, He does. Yes, He does. To think that He doesn't care is to think that He doesn't know. To think that He doesn't know is to measure Him short of His deity, His Godness. Number five, worry is unbelief. Worry is unbelief. God promised to take care of you. To not trust Him to take care of you is to not believe His promises. Worry is unbelief. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. Let's look at the screen this time. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. Because of what Jesus has done for you. What's the deal here? Let's do that again. You can be sure, circle sure, that God that God will take everything, every part of your need. You can be sure of that because of what Jesus has done for you. The slides have gone up so that you can listen more carefully. <laughs> now here's the deal. If God had never proved in any way that he loves you, if he had never done or accomplished anything for you, then it might make sense if you didn't trust him. Are you with me? But when he has done the greatest thing of all, he's gone the distance and gone the, 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 the measure to take care of your biggest needs, then to worry about your smaller needs, doesn't make sense. Worry is unbelief. Matthew chapter 6 verse 32, same passage will run down, dropping down to verse 32. So every time you worry, you're doubting God. You're doubting God. He says in verse 32, the first part, he says, people who don't know God and the way he works, they worry about these things. Okay, work it out, work it out. You totally understand this. People who don't know God and the way he works, you got those two parts? They don't have a relationship with God and they don't know how God works. These people are the ones who worry. Okay, flip it around. When you worry, what are you proving? You don't know God and you don't know how he works. You don't know how he works. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are different than our ways. When he doesn't move the mountains and when he doesn't part the seas, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Because God is never late. He invented time. He created time. You have to understand, God is never, ever in a hurry. And that's what bugs us no end. It annoys us. Because we hurry and we worry. And we write. <laughs> we hurry. And we want God also to hurry. We want God to work with deadlines. We want God to work with 
measures. People who don't know God and the way he works, they are the ones who worry. So people who don't know God, that's unbelievers and there are people who know God, they're believers. Unbelievers should worry. They should worry. They don't know about the future. Their life and eternity is in the balance and they don't have support in his, in his promises. They're not listening to his word. They're not living by his purposes. They should worry. But when believers who know his word, know his promises, know him and their eternity is sure and their presence is, 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 is purposeful, when they worry, it just doesn't make sense. And angels are like, what is going on here? trust in the heavenly father who promises to care for us we should act like it we shouldn't act like orphans we shouldn't act like orphans we shouldn't make decisions and go about life like there is no heavenly father look at that most beautiful phrase in that your father knows that you need them why would God tell you that think about it why would he tell you I already know what is practical atheism? What is practical atheism? It's the way you show in your life there is no God by worrying about it. So believers should not worry. It's a poor testimony to those who are seeking God and looking for God. It's what people should see in us is not goody goody two shows. These guys so holy, never able to sin only. <laughs> and no one has come to Christ for that matter anyway. What they should see in us is hey, how he how has got a connection to God. How come God answers all these prayers? And that should draw them. Hey, teach me. Teach me. In fact, that's the best way of witnessing. Don't present the faith. Don't present the faith. Don't tell anybody about your faith. Even you, for you, some of you say it's a secret. The Bible says, present a reason for the hope. Catch that. Get it before that. Present the reason for the hope. What are you so optimistic about? I, 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 I have hope. Where did you get the hope? What hope? And then you present the... It's undefined. It's un... What's the right word? Deniable. It's undeniable. It's undefiable. Because it's your reason for your hope. You don't have any... There's nothing, no, no reason to be... When you're presenting your religion, then by all means, feel embarrassed. Nobody wants to hear about your religion. They want to hear about how come you're still smiling when the storm is at its worst. When you've been through hell and your father's given you a hard time, your mother's given you a hard time, or your family or your marriage is a mess and, 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 and things are difficult and people are treating you badly or you've lost stuff or you're grieving or, or life is not playing well with you. In the midst of all of that, where do you get this calm, anchored assurance? Tell me, give me a reason for your We worry about stuff that's absolutely under. Worry, worry is unbelievable. You know the worst kind of worry is? Can I tell you? The worst kind of worry. <laughs> when everything is going great. <laughs> when everything is going great, we are like, no. No, no, no. Something bad is going down. Something is going to happen. That's like, it, it happened to Job. Job was like that. Job was doing great. And then everything fell apart. And you know what the first thing he says? I knew. <laughs> I knew this is going to happen. I, he says, I feared that this would happen. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Prophecy. And most people believe in their own religion. You know, their religion that oh, Allah, is going to happen. They love it. 
happen. No. The worst kind of worry is things are going to God is never worried. You know that? God is never worried. He wants you to be just like Him. John 14 verse 1, Jesus said, Don't be worried. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I'm not saying there are things in your life that are not worrisome. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying there aren't concerns in your life. That you'll be so bindas about it, don't worry about it, just pretend like everything's okay. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying let God worry. You have a worry? Take it. Lord, you take it. Take it, Lord, you take it. You're like how children, they'll never carry anything. Huh? Dada? They'll never carry. They want to be free. You like kids. You like children. And when you have a worry, hand it over to God. First of all, God is stronger, He can carry it. Number two, He never gets worried. Because He's taller, He can see further. Like a parent. It's a difficult subject because we all worry. Therefore, humor helps to handle it. But Jesus said, don't worry. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So what's your five uh, things about worry? Number one. Unreasonable, number two. Unnatural, number three. It's unhelpful, number four. It's unnecessary. And number five it is. So what do you do about it? How do you make it good? How do you respond to that? How do I trust Jesus to meet my needs? How do I not worry but trust? I will trust, I will trust in you. Nice to sing it. How do you do it? Number one. Every day ask Jesus to be your shepherd. Every day ask him to be my shepherd. When you get up in the morning, when you go to a meeting, when you see a problem, when you start a week, when you start a day, start by asking Jesus to be your shepherd. So management gurus and others will tell you, when you, man, when you delegate something, you empower the person to do it. Correct? When you delegate something, you give it away. When you delegate something and you still don't do it anyway, you're overpowering or you're bypassing that person. So when you ask Jesus, will you be my shepherd? You're delegating the worries and concerns, the outcomes and of your life to him. But here's the deal. Do it on a daily basis. Do it on a daily basis. Not on an hourly basis, on a weekly basis. More, more appropriately on a daily basis basis. What will Jesus do? He will feed, he will lead and he will meet your need. Most of you worry. You don't like to worry so you find a solution. You turn to another person, you turn to another relationship, you turn to the bank, you turn to, you turn to quick uh, methods of solving the problem and you go ahead and you meet your own need. When you meet your need, you lead, lead, your, lead yourself, you meet your need, you, you feed yourself. When you start looking after yourself, you're going to worship yourself. Because you are the one who is giving you life and feeling. Did you get that? Sooner or later you are going to praise yourself. You are going to get others to praise you. You need the praise of others because you are the one who took care of yourself. People who don't want to worship God isn't because they don't want to. It's because they feel that worship is due them. Why? Because they took care of their own needs. So at the heart of it is a, is a, is a humility 
decision. Am I going to be the source of my life or am I going to let God be the source of my life? When God wants to be the source of my life and He is God and you don't let Him be the source of your life, you have begun to play God, you've taken life into your own hands and that is why you will end up worshiping God. Let's look at the bright side. When you on a daily basis, be my shepherd, need pops up, hand it over to God, you watch that He meets your need and how He meets your need. Next problem, next problem. That he meets your need, how he meets your need. Boom, 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 boom. Sooner or later you've got uh, all these reasons to praise God for and praise arises from your heart. Not because somebody started a song, but because you have good reason to praise and worship him. Why are we not worshippers? Because we are warriors. Why are we warriors? Because we've taken most of it into our own hands. If it wasn't in your hands, you would not. Every day ask him to be your shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I and they know me and I lay down my life for my sheep. Every day, David prayed. Look at what David prayed. Psalm chapter 28 verse 9. Come save us and bless us, Lord. Be our shepherd. Be our shepherd. So he said, the Lord is my shepherd. But the prayer is, God, be my shepherd. The areas of your worry are the areas you have not submitted to God. The areas of your worry are the areas that God is not one number one in your life. The second matter you want to take notice, you need to give God the first place in your life. Give Him first place in every area of your life. Why? Because He wants to be. Why? Because He wants to be sole representative or solely responsible for your welfare. It's out of a loving deal. It's not, he's not a dictator. He doesn't need to be in control of your life. He wants to because He's a father. Your Heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need and He will give you what you need if you give Him first place in your life and live as He wants you to live. That's the Living Bible translation for verse 31 and 32 and 33. So what is an indication of mixed up priorities, mixed up values? Any area of, of your life where God is not number one will be a source of worry. So it's very easy to find out what areas of my life are not under God's control. How do you find that out? Whatever you are worried about. Whatever you are worried about. My dear brothers and sisters, stop living for things and start living for God. Stop living for things. As long as we love anything more than God, we'll be victimized by worry. So this is not positive thinking seminar. You know, really if you want to take it out, put your trust in God, put it in No, 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 nothing of the sort. This is hardcore relationships. This is humility. This is willingness to not be the source of your life. Let God be the source of your life. To love God above everything else. Above everyone else. <coughs> Number three, relax and give Him your worries in prayer. In prayer. So don't just think about it. Pray about it. Don't just believe it. Pray about it. Jesus, these are the things that are upsetting me. I don't like that man's face. I can't face that woman. I don't like the situation. I don't have the resources. Lord, I'm not feeling worried, not feeling well enough to do this. Oh, I don't have the strength to do this. Go to him and give it to him in prayer. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Some of you may have never seen this verse in the Bible before. Give all your worries and cares to God. Give it says. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about what happens to you. He does. He cares. 
It's a very interesting thing that verse 32 brings up. It says, verse 32, for people who don't know God, run after. Can you underline that, please? For people who don't know God, run after all these things. What things? Clothing, food, all those things we're talking about, right? They run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you have it. That word run after is a frantic seeking after. You're running after it, like if you don't catch that deal, if you don't grab that last shirt or that last uh, piece of whatever, and you will lose out. Your life won't be good enough without it. Your life won't be full without it. You're running after it. When you're running after it, we call that hurrying. Hurrying and worrying kind of go together because we leave everything to the last minute. We leave everything to the last minute. We don't prepare in advance. You know, you know most of us. What happens is last last ten minutes, last half an hour, we're trying to scurry to get into put together. That's scurrying. That scurrying and that worrying is what uh, creates that worry, that anxiety. Because we don't know what to prepare for prepare for and how to prepare for that. Don't be fooled about all this interruption. Those of you who are close to the Spirit of God, don't be fooled about all this interruption. This is not coincidence. Right now you're feeling anxiety. And number four, trust God one day at a time. Trust God one day at a time. I'll tell you why. Verse 34 says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have its own worries. Thank you very much. <laughs> Each day has enough trouble of its own. So God knows there is a set of worries allocated to each day. Repeat. Listen very carefully. God knows. His word is saying there's enough worry for each day. God knows there's a set of worries allocated for each day. You're saying, oh, that's me. No, that's that number of opportunities to trust him every day. worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will have its own worries. Each day, so he's not saying worry about today. But he's saying not only should you not be worried about today, but don't be worried about tomorrow because it's absolutely futile. What's he saying? He's saying don't open an umbrella until it rains. There's two days in the week you shouldn't worry about. You know which day is there? Yesterday and tomorrow. Because today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. <laughs> so why should I live only one day at a time? Because God has given you life bite-sized. Life is hard enough as it is. But God has given you life bite size. He's given you a 24 hour period to deal with it. So it's one day at a time, sweet Jesus. One day at a time. Don't worry about yesterday. Finished. Gone. It's never coming back. Don't worry about tomorrow. That's got its own set of issues. What about today? Hand it over. Hand it over. And that goes also for holiness. For holiness. Yesterday were you a wicked person? Yesterday you said? Okay. Today's a new day. Live holiness also one day at a time. Don't think, okay, if I look at my whole life, I'm a failure, finished, it's all over. God takes one day at a time, and His mercies are new every morning. It's okay to plan for tomorrow, but don't worry about 
tomorrow. The future can get very overwhelming. And if God gave our whole life and plans and everything that's going to happen, you know what's going to happen to your child in five years from now. You know what's going to happen to your marriage or your, to your home or to your property in the next 10 years from now. You go nuts. You go nuts. God has bite-sized your worry for today itself so that you can even hand that worry over to him and trust him and he gives you peace for that day itself. So you walk with God every day. Walk with God every day. One day without the reading of the word. One day without prayer. One day without spending time in His presence. And your worry is going to pile up and pile up and pile up and pile up. And you think you'll handle it on Sunday. I go to church regularly every week. No, you're just weak. Get it? You need to pray consistently and regularly on a daily basis, spending time in the presence of God. What does prayer mean? Prayer means you read the Bible. That means in communication, God talks to you. And prayer means you speak the Bible. You talk back to God about His will. Once you've prayed about it, you know you've handed over a worry. That's how you know. It's your sent folder. It's your sent folder. Whenever I need to know that I sent you an email, I go to my sent folder. And if it's not in my sent folder, I know I haven't told you. You get it? <coughs> it's your sent folder. Pray about everything. Make sure you hand it over to him. I want to end on something really beautiful. Verse 34 says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Today. Today. Right now. Give your full attention. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. He's promised to be with you there. He'll take care of that. So worry is one of the biggest sins in our life because it does not acknowledge the goodness, the promise and the presence of God. Worry has got to go. Worry has got to go. How do you replace worry? Not by positive thinking. By praying. By praying. Let me end on this one note to encourage you. It's not in your notes, so you can either take notes or you can take mental notes. Listen to me as I close. I know many of you and I don't know some of you, but many of you I've known, and some of you I've known for years, every one of you has been through difficult times. You've been through hurtful experiences, relational, financial, uh, situational. There's, there's been a lot of stuff that you have dealt with. For some, it's been 20, 25 years of the same problem. It has weighed you down, it has hurt you, it has bruised you, it has, a lot of pain has come your way. Not just one or two days, but years of it. I want to tell you, my brother, my sister, my friend, what God, what God gives to you, He gives through you. What God does to you, He does through you. God allows stuff in your life, not for you, but through you. Because it is a qualification and a certification to use you. If he has allowed you difficult times, it's because he's trusted you to go through those times with the right attitude to come back to him. Some of you have had such painful experiences for so long that only God can heal that. So when he does, your life will be an only God life. What God gives to you, He gives through you. Everything God gives you, He wants you to share with others. Don't lose me right now. Everything He has allowed you, think about every problem, every difficult time, every hurtful situation, every failure, every trip and fall. God wants you to turn it around and make it a ministry. 
It's fine if you went through hard times and you came out a stronger person, but if it's not helping somebody else, it has been a waste. And as long as you don't get that, God will keep taking you through those times until you realize it's not to you, it's through you. So God wants you to think about other people and think about others' needs. Oh, but what about my worries? What about it? What about it? He's saying, I'll take care of that. You focus on others. It's about becoming other-centered. It's about becoming you. Our lives are so self-absorbed, self-centered, self-preserving, because we feel we have to carry everything. If you didn't have to carry anything, your hands would be free to carry other people's things. God is not carrying them other, th other people's needs. He wants you to do that. Why is there so much uh, worry in the world? Why is there so much suffering in the world, poverty in the world? Because all the money is in your bank. Because all the strength is in your bones. Because whom God has given that task to and given that passion to are living for themselves. Can we be a community that learns this real quick? When I meet others' needs, God takes care of mine. When I meet others' needs, God takes care of mine. You think that if you turn to look after other people's needs, you'll be stuck with your needs and their needs. No one brother, when you turn around, your needs will have gone. Trust me. Trust God more. Look at this amazing passage. This is the heart of God coming out right here in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 7 to 11. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 7 to 11. Follow with me on the screen please. I want you to share your food with the hungry. I want you. God says, I want you to share your food with the hungry. I want you to become, sorry, I want you to welcome the homeless poor into your homes. I want you to put clothes to those who need them. I want you to put clothes to those who need And I want you to help your relatives who need your help. Easy to help others. Very help. I want you to help your relatives who need your help. Then, sorry, God promises nine blessings. Let's go. If you do these things, number one, my favor will shine on you like the morning sun. You have my favor in your life. Number two, your wounds will quickly be healed. Number three, I will always be with you to save you. Number four, my, my presence will protect you on every side. Number five, when you pray, I will answer you. I will do this if you put an end to oppression. If you stop every gesture of content, for others and you end your vicious talk and pointing fingers and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and you take care of the needs of the oppressed then the darkness around you will return to brightness of noon and I the Lord your shepherd will always guide you I will satisfy your needs I will keep you strong and well for you, that he paid for your sin and that he bought you your eternity 
Acknowledge Him as your Lord and Savior today. Simply, you just say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that you are God, that you put on flesh, that you took my punishment, and you sealed the deal, and you proved your love for me eternally. Now this day, 16th of July, I give you my life, I make you my Lord. If you made that decision, fill out the card that has been given to you. Just say, I made a decision for Jesus. Last Sunday, two people did that. Enjoy your life with God. And the only way to do that is a life of prayer that hands over the body of today, lets go of yesterday, and gives up tomorrow as you focus on the goodness of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, respond to God on something. Either you're acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, or you're asking God one of those five things about worry, or you're just asking God, Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. I want to make this a practical deal. I want this to be real. I'm so tired of worrying. It's not going to amount to anything. It only proves that my trust is not in you. Maybe there's one area of your life you've been particularly worried about, particularly concerned about. Worry and fear are the same thing, by the way. Hand it over to God.